Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, and we have a very special guest today, a longtime acquaintance, but quickly becoming a good friend, uh, Mike Reese. You guys will know him because him and Jay Kinder formed uh, Kinder Reese Coaching for a while, and uh, you know they have a lot of love and respect in the real estate industry. Well, Mike is quickly, Mike and Jay are quickly becoming our neighbors down here in Puerto Rico, and he just surprised me yesterday and said that he's here uh, finalizing where he and his family are going to live. So I thought, what the heck, let's do a podcast. So Mike, I appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. So we're sitting here with our, uh, uh, the road, uh, you know, lavaliers and the iPhone doing a podcast. I mean, and I, we were just talking about technology and stuff, but isn't it awesome, right? My whole, my whole rig here, minus my phone is like 200 bucks. You there you saying? go. Yeah. And right after this, I click two buttons and it's loaded up to pod B and we're off to the races. There you go. It, uh, what the heck was that? That was my was that shoe. You? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I think you just killed a shrew. <laughs> so we are going to talk about a wide variety of topics and I want to start out by talking and asking you, we've been, Julie and I have been doing a series of podcasts on the whole Zillow thing. And um, our listeners, most of which listen to us every day, will know where our position is. And I'm curious from your perspective, and let's not try, let's try to avoid going down the buying leads conversation because that's just, you know, um, a perpetual loop. But let's talk about whether, where do you see, for example, in the next 12 to 24 months, where do you see the, who are the biggest players in the real estate industry and why? Well, I definitely think um, it from a business model. I, I definitely think Zillow is going to obviously be a big player. I think Open Door. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did some interesting um, things. Um, they, effect, I, they effectively went public, right? So they yeah. were bought by a hedge fund in essence, and now they have a valuation of five billion dollars. So they effectively went public. Yeah. So they use the same methodology as DraftKings. Great. So um, DraftKings, there's a new method that's been used to take companies public. DraftKings did the exact same uh, model. In fact. Um, I have a guy that I've known since 1996. The guy's never called me. He called me to ask me about Open Door. Never called me since 1996. My phone rings. He says, "Have you heard of Open Door?" And he goes on to tell me about um, how his he's a he's a stockbroker, but he manages money. I haven't seen him for years. I don't even know. Didn't even know he had my phone number. Mm -hmm. And um, he wanted me to give him feedback because he had seen me from afar, knew I understood real estate. Knew I knew a little bit about EXP. Um, a little bit. Yeah. And just, so, just, a, just a smidge. Just a, a little <laughs> bit. And so he was just interested. And um, long story short, um, I ended up buying the stock. Uh, I, I bought the stock. I forget what the symbol is. For the holding company that holds uh-huh. open. Yeah. That's smart. And, and it's, uh, I'll tell you the symbol here in a second. But I bought the stock. Uh, Al Stasek, my business partner, I told called him immediately, told him about it. I'm not giving stock advice. Uh, I'm not giving stock advice. I'm just sharing with you. You can just put it right, right. Yeah, here. yeah. We're using, we're holding our lavalier, so it's a little awkward on the audio front. So forgive us if we're seemingly a distant and then too close, listeners. Just bear with us here. This is the podcast on the road show. There you go. Yeah. So the main thing is, is he? I'm not. I'm not again. Not giving stock advice, but the symbol was IPOB. Um, it's at seventeen dollars and thirty-eight cents as we talk now. Well, so the. Yes, and so, and the reason why is my former mentor and coach, 
the guy that me, so me and Jay hired a coach. We spent more money on this guy than any other coach. It was almost 10 grand a month. His name was Mark Chesley. He was the former CTO for Infusionsoft. And when he left Infusionsoft, he became the, um, I believe, the president of OfferPad. He's from Arizona. One of the, if not, only person smarter is probably you. I'm being for real. No, he's a real smart guy. Um, very, very interesting to have. Com- you are, you're brilliant. It's fun to talk to you because you're so knowledgeable about so many topics. He's and similar. You're so kind. Yeah, well, yeah. So that, but that, so he went to OfferPad, and right. we, and 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 that would put that on, that model on our radar at a very in-depth level. He would fly in once a month to coach me and Jay for two days, and he took this job and told us about it, but then started explaining to us in detail their model. Um, obviously there was in his attorney roommates, he's an attorney, even though he was the CTO, he was an attorney. Um, and he had told us a bunch of his, um, people that went to law school with him, um, were trying to get, they were basically the guys that were with open door. And so, you know, they say at open door that their, their goal is to change the consumer's mindset of buying a house to like trading in a car. And if you look, you know, um, Zillow, if you follow, so, and he asked me about Zillow. So the guy asked me about, and then he asked me about Zillow. And so to answer your question, um, the question becomes, you know, Walgreens used to be a shoe store, right? Companies pivot and change and they're required to, and the ones that don't, you know, innovate or die. So I believe that, um, those teams that are behind open doors and, behind Zillow's. I think that they're going to have a competitive advantage. Um, they're going to have tools I, via money, <laughs> you know, yes. and, uh, and they're going to be able to play at a very high level. So it's going to take a lot of disruption. I don't fear for the agent as much, um, you know, over the next three to five years. Um, you know, being in Puerto Rico, the agent really controls the transaction at a unbelievable off the Richter scale worth three episodes of podcasts. I mean, if you want to go back in time and see the control agents can have, go try to buy a house in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, there is no MLS. I did I did interview a guy two weeks ago in Vegas that did 155 transactions, saw me speak in Vegas when he was a title rep, became a salaried employee for a company that does listings, drives business off a radio and doesn't put their homes in the MLS. He did a hundred. Uh, well, so you're actually going the exact direction where Julie and I are going with our thinking. It's fascinating. Yeah. You're, we're sharing a wavelength right here, a brain, you know, it's yeah. cool. Well, so let me, let's yeah. get back on track because this is what yeah. listeners are really interested in. And by the way, there is an MLS here. Just nobody uses it. <laughs> right. Nobody yeah. uses it. Which, which inter- it, that's the thesis that Julie and I were sort of pondering on our podcast on Sunday. Well, so let's just, so let's just scale this out because I'm genuinely interested in what you have to say. Yeah. So you have Open Door. So Open Door has, let's say, best practices when it comes to doing the iBuyer model. They've been at it longer. They have done more transactions. They, they, these are all statistical facts. They sort of allowed Zillow to catch up with them. Um, and it was, uh, you know, they stopped buying houses. They stopped buying as many houses in third or fourth quarter of last year and into the pandemic. It is what it is. So let's assume that technologically they still have an, uh, an advantage when it comes to basically operating at scale in terms of the whole the flipper model in essence is what they're doing. So if Zillow has, but what does Zillow have? Zillow has by far the largest search widget. You know, it's the biggest portal that there is. So you have it, what what Julie and I are theorizing is you have Open Door that's going to try to basically become Zillow in, in, in essence and have a search widget, and then you have Zillow that's going to try to become Open Door and have best practices, and you're going to see those two companies fighting it out and using all those billions of dollars. So in order for that to happen, and this is where I, I'm, I'm interested specifically in this part of it, 
And I think there's a third player, and I, I really tr sincerely believe it's EXP, it, for all the reasons we're talking about. But the, re the thing that Open Door is missing is they're missing um, a 50-state brokerage, and they're missing a national search portal. So when you think in terms of who's got that already scaled out, aside from EXP, it's, and Redfin's not there yet, but Redfin would be the next natural acquisition target and or a Realtor.com and buy it from News Corp. So then they have the same competitive advantages that Zillow does. What's your opinion? Um, so, so with the with the open door, um, the the problem with open. Let, let me just the problem that people don't realize is you could have. When I got into internet marketing, um, I went to real estate investor. I met. I got tied in with the guy who owned realestateinvestor.com. His name uh, I forget his Colin. His name was Colin. Um, met a lot of real estate investors, and the truth is, is that people have been buying homes for cash forever. Mm -hmm. So let's just fundamentally say one thing that's happening is that it's called consumer face branding. You know, I buy ugly homes. Um, it was it's been featured in uh, the real estate investor millionaire real estate investor book. The story, you know, that was the first franchise model of the I buy homes for cash. So so explain that what you so just said. so it's, it was a franchise model where they would sell you. You had to put so many billboards up, but you could use their I buy their value proposition and their internal methodologies and 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 systems and processes, and they sold it area exclusive. So anytime you're in the business, I know the guy that did this for tax attorneys. You would go to these people like Dan Kennedy, who teaches chiropractors, dentists how to make money in the opportunity business by not doing dentistry anymore are like me selling real estate anymore and providing value to the community. Real estate investors who are successful investors, Stan Merrill, who's now EXP, they go around, build fortune builders, you know, go around and teach it once they become successful. Well, if you look at the economic model behind that, um, you know, if you're like Chris Waters in Austin, Texas, you know, he's franchising his Water International because he's kind of outgrown his backyard like Gary Keller did in Austin. He had two stores and then went franchise. So these are all business models. The thing that's different is we have publicly traded companies with a lot of money. And the truth is what I said, and this is unbelievable that we're having this conversation, is that I said eight months ago on this same topic on, on a podcast that I was with, with Chris, um, because Chris was spending um, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month on radio. Um, if I misquoted him, it wasn't intentional. But, he, but um, these other companies were doing four to 500000 a piece. And he was like, they're just coming in and sucking. You mean the iBuyers, the open doors, the, yeah, the Zillow's, who right. buying so, up mindshare. Right. And so the problem here is because in the franchise model, that, that exclusive territory model, there was never enough, they were never getting a, the market share. They put up a couple billboards. And I can, I can, if you look at Barbara Corcoran, she is a celebrity endorsement for agents that really started because of my business partner, Jay Kinder, you know, a lot in Oklahoma, Matt Wagner, if you know the backstory. Yeah. And so now you have all these agents like Gary Ashton and Nashville, who's got 90 agents and you go to Atlanta and you have, you know, Tracy and Jason, you know, Kuzno and Wilford, you know, are Mark Spain, but they're doing high level marketing. And that's the problem here is that people will get a disproportionate share of the market because they learn how to get to the consumer when the well, consumer wins the, the game. But that's the bottom line. It's, so, but it's easier to do that now. Right. So you don't see any of the, the, the things that I would tell you, which I would never say on this podcast, because if it got back to them, um, I wouldn't, I would tell you what I don't want them to do because if they did, we would all, all agents would be in trouble. They're not going to do them because I don't believe they're thinking that way. They have a couple problems is they can't monetize every lead. 
So let's just face it, they're not gonna go to every single market. I was in Canada, the iBuyer thing is not well, there. Let, let me just, I, I'm, we're on the same exact path, and I'm yeah. glad you said that, because yeah. that was my next question. So what we're now talking about are the fact, and this, you might know these statistics better than I, I didn't, yeah, really, yeah. I didn't deeply research this, but for every 10 people that raise their hand and say, I'm interested in an iBuyer offer, do you, have you heard any statistics on how many actually end up taking it with a discount? Um, I haven't. I, I, uh, would no. you guess one? I would guess one. Yeah, I'd, I would guess it's very low. What I have heard is the the um, the CEO say is that um, their margins can be as little as I think it was like twelve hundred dollars. They can afford to do that for up to ten years, and their goal is to train the consumer to think of trading in their house like trading in a car. CarMax. So you're saying something now, and listeners, it's incredibly important because this is where real estate agents, especially when I read the things on Inman, the comments, where real estate agents get stuck in the mud. They hear that Zillow is losing $7,500 per flip, but Zillow does not give a rat's ass because what Zillow and all these other companies are doing is they're trying to become the dominant uh, name. Consumer. Exactly. Yes. Zillow became more searched than the word real estate like two years ago. It was the first time that when you looked on Zillow that there was more searches for Zillow than there was for the word real estate. And that was a big crossover. And only like, what, 12 years they did that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. But so that ultimately, and what, so now listen to what Mike's saying. So far, we haven't found anything to argue about. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll find something. Um, But so far, what Mike's saying, we're in complete agreement with, because it only makes sense. So you have these two dominant brands. And Open Door, maybe you didn't hear about, they're going to become a dominant brand because of the fact that they have most likely a virtually unlimited pot of cash behind them. And Zillow, the same thing. Zillow has a market... uh, cap, I think, of close to $20 billion. Open Door has a market cap of $5 billion. So you're going to see these companies enter into the marketplace. And we are both in agreement that there's not going to be a majority of people that want to take a wholesale offer on their house like CarMax does for cars. But what CarMax did prove in the marketplace was people were, were willing to uh, basically pay a convenience fee for, to avoid the hassle of you know dealing with the normal curb stoning and selling your house, car yourself or taking it to multiple car lots and all the rest of it. So that is conceptually, we already know what consumer behavior is going to be. It's going to embrace that type of thing. So moving forward, the question all of you have to ask, question I'm going to ask you, Mr. Reese. Yep. So if they generate 10 leads of people that are interested in selling their houses, because like if you go to Zillow's website and you're in one of the markets where they're running high buyers, there's a very clear button to click where you're going to get an instant offer on your house. So if, you, if, if, they, if they generate 10 leads, one says yes, it might be less than one. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Those leads that they do generate are generally speaking, I would think those are going to be better than average seller leads. I would think. Maybe not. They could just. Oh, absolutely. So what do they do with those leads? Well, I think think what I was going to. What do they do with the leads? Well, right now, if you go to. um, And we went last week. uh, We had this conversation with a client yesterday. If you go to Open Door on page. If you scroll down past the fold, now it's. now they'll list your house, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's list your house. So they're going to all, you have you have Knock, which is, um, you have Keller Offers, you have Redfin Now, you have EXP with Express. Listen, the problem is, the real problem here is that the companies that are going to get the, see, we already have the agents. They have to go now and backfill the agents, which was your your whole point Premise. about Redfin. Right. But if, if we can get a company like EXP, just mark my word right here. When EXP has a budget that is equal to their budgets to generate those opportunities and a mechanism like maybe Dave Ramsey to monetize them with their network, meaning get a referral fee, 
when they because that right now the budget that's being it's just budget that's all this is the brand that's going to get exposure is going to be the one that has the budget when you control the budget which is what happens at zillow it's one person at exp you have to say okay i need to find an agent in portland oregon or orlando how much do you have you only have 500 to spend okay let me talk you into it and then help you run the ads i mean you know, you're, there's no ins- – it has, so to, co- it has what, to come from top down. But what you're ta- somebody at look, the leadership look, level has to say, I believe this is the future and I'm betting on it. And if they did that, then it's irrefutable that those, those opportunities are out there. And the way that you get in front of them, I'm telling you right now, there's 10 bill- – you can do it easier than they're doing it, but nobody's doing it because it's fractured. The one guy's doing it, consumer brand, where he's spending somebody else's money and he gets a paycheck regardless if he... Break down what you're saying, though, because just to be yeah. clear, I, I understand what you're saying, but in case most of them are listening while they're having a glass well, like of wine. Z- Z- Well, you're talking the difference between basically Zillow having one message that they're pumping out in the marketplace versus EXP, who you have different, you, have, you know, 40,000... EXP is not running an ad in Duncan, Oklahoma exactly. today, but Zillow is. Right. EXP is only running ads where agents are wanting to run the ad, and the ad exposure is elastic to the agent's budget. It has to right. be elastic to EXP's budget. Exactly. What? I, be, and that's the that's the game killer. And so you got Keller Offers that has the agent piece, but you're still dealing with agents who you have to convince to invest money into their business. Which I've been in that game, and that's hard to do so because they not only have to be able to generate leads, they have to be able to articulate their value, demonstrate their value, compete on that, follow up with the lead in the first place, call it on a Saturday or Sunday, maybe call it eight times. So they have to have the conversion process in place and not just buy the lead and then not say the lead sucks because it doesn't convert after, you know, one month, you know. So you have all that. If you put that on the agent or what we call in the book, the book we call value exchange, if you can move up the the, the value ladder, like um, see what, what Zillow did is they moved up the ladder. They, they first gave the lead to the agent. Then they said, all right, we won't do that anymore. We'll call the lead. And they just moved up. But the exchange in value as they moved up, they got to keep more. They got to keep more of the 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 the, the opportunity, right? They got to keep more of the um, the money, because you know, if I give you, if I give you, I can teach you how to generate a lead. That might be worth a two hundred dollar class. I can generate the lead for you. That might be worth twenty five dollars a lead. I could then give you the tool. Like, there's so many ways to monetize the same strategy. The person that Zillow has went is they went all the way to the brand side where now they control everything on the value exchange and now they're able to capture more of the value because they they haven't done that. And what's the problem is, is the companies that have the ability to do with those leads, what do you do with those leads? The company that has the ability to really monetize them because here's the thing, I can get that cash offer home, but I can get two buyers off of it. Who's going to make more money? If you increase the productivity per agent at EXP by one deal, they're going to make way more money than buying 10 more deals. Okay, and so, so, so two things. I yeah. love what you're saying. So two things. First of all, uh, as far as the leads, just to answer my own question, yep. the leads that they're generating that aren't going to be taking the iBuyer they're un- They're unbelievably valuable. They are valuable. And for sure, if you follow up with them and work them, right, which Zillow will do. But here's the thing that they're claiming they won't do, take resale listings. I put that as a big no way they're not going to do that. Who did? Zillow. Okay, they might, but uh, yeah, yeah. So if we're talking, so OfferPad didn't either, and now they do. Exactly. Well, and Zillow so, said they weren't going to get in the brokerage business yeah. either, and they did. So of I, course. I built. If you go, to, I'm not going to give the URL because I don't want to. I'm not trying to do that. But but I did build the Express Offers funnel, um, 
And uh, if you go look at it, the very first deal that, you know, once we got... You mean free XP? Yeah. Well, get the URL. Who cares? It's expressofferfunnels.com, right? I think is the URL. But now... You, when you first started with EXP, you'd use Making It Rain to generate buyer right. leads for your KV Core. Now they ha- now an agent, we had, a, last time I looked, and the number is obviously more now, we had over 6,000 people that got certified on making express offers. So I think EXP is doing that right, is they're standardizing the training and creating the mechanisms for the agent. What, what I would be interested in looking at on a pilot program, if I was um, asked for my opinion would be like, okay, let's go into Dallas. We already know that OfferPad spends 500,000 a month. We have 2000 agents in Dallas. Let's see if we can monetize and create a, put a dollar in scenario, take five out and let's go in and hit radio with express offers. Cause if I can vet that model, I can do it in 22 States. Now I'm competing because I got the search portal. Now I'm competing. Now I'm competing with uh, these people. But in order to do it, you got to go in and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. And you could do it this way. You could even say, hey, agent, here's your opportunity. You can work on a referral fee. I'm looking for 10 people. We're just going to run a little budget. But somebody's got somebody's got to go after those clicks. You can't have clicks in a marketplace that you're not competing on. You can't be running in Dallas but not running in Houston. Are you, that, that's the difference in Open Door is they defined their market. They were first available in Arizona where they started, OfferPad, right? They ran their model. They vetted it out. Then they went to Dallas. They were going to be coming to Florida. That's how you roll things out. They got to, in order for Express Offers to really be what I think it could be, is um, somebody has to control the marketing budget, and that can't be left up to the agent. Otherwise, it's just another model, um, and you're not really going for the game. You you are going to offer value to your agents if you're agent-centric. Hey, we got another tool for you. Here's a value proposition. Now you have this cool offer, but there's there's still going to be 500,000 people that don't see your ad because no because that agent's budget's $500, and there's just more opportunity than any one agent will ever take take advantage of. That's why those agents get that disproportionate share is because they go in, they start on radio, they start with about five grand a month, then that stuff works really well, then they go to 10, then they go to 20, and the next thing you know, I see them a year later at a mastermind and they're spending 40, 50, 80,000 on radio. It's not uncommon, right? I can name you 50 names of people spending 50 to $70,000 on radio and they still ain't touching it and OfferPad knows that. And OfferPad is just going on radio with the different so, value proposition. So, so I've, I've coached some of Matt's customers too. And uh-huh. what you're saying is very interesting. And I hope listeners are listening. And this is, I think you'll appreciate this. It's like marketing one-on-one, right? Yeah. So go, if OfferPad and Zillow are running really powerful radio spots and they're running in multiple markets, assume they've tested the crap out of it. And if you're going to run radio ads, just copy the radio ads. I mean, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Now, be careful. Some of it might be copywritten, but what have you. So ultimately, what you're saying is it's a battle. It's a, th- What we're entering into is a new, what it feels like to us, we're entering into a new era of real estate where the consumer expectations for the brokerage you're going to offer are going to evolve quickly, you know, because of all. You know, and so that, what does that create? It creates opportunity for the people that are going to seize the opportunity with regards to the iBuyer thing. And I agree with what you're saying. If, and so the only reason that 
uh, like in our opinion, it's going to be open door, whatever that becomes. It's going to become Zillow. It's going to become EXP because EXP is the most compelling value proposition to the agent. And they're you know spreading globally faster than anything in the history of real estate brokerages. So that makes sense. I appreciate what you're saying. If they were to put an organized you know one mission, a one vision approach behind uh, letting the world know that they have an eye buyer of their own and doing it with a lot of money where they can basically buy market share like the other companies are, then you have what could be everybody wins. Yeah, everybody wins. The investor wins on the platform. Right. The agent wins because they're getting deals. You could literally let agents go through just like Dave Ramsey's program, and you could based upon based upon their success rate grade them. They would have to. They, they control the. They control everything. The agent would love to do it because it's a great. Tra- the problem with listings is they take a long time to sell. Not these. Not these. You get. I mean, these are these are deals. The cash conversion. You go list a normal house. You got to list it. Then someone's got to find it. Then they got. These are. These are, this is better than a buyer. You're not showing 800 homes. This is, I went to your house, here's the numbers, they work, we close, right? This is the shortest cash conversion cycle. So anytime you're in marketing, you have to have money out and then wait to get money back in. It just seems like if, if I was, you know, my role at NAEA was always business development and I would go find, there was times we lost our revenue and we had to replace it in 90 days. I would have to go find those opportunities and I became with this gentleman sitting over here, Mr. Woods Davis, very good at having to create 300,000 from scratch with 20 day notice, right? On a very small scale, you know, a 64 person company. On the scale in which EXP operates, you gotta be playing to win, right? And if you wanna, if you wanna, and I feel like that's what they're doing and they're doing a lot of amazing things right and I'm, I'm excited to be here. The main thing is that, that I like about the company is they're extreme, their, their core values. They're extremely flexible and open to the market. When other companies have franchisees that they have to, um, they have big agreements, they can't just do things. You know, we're, we're very, um, uh, we can we can pivot like people say we're built for this. I mean, what that means is 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 we can move around and um, um, you know with the right with the right strat. But you can't you can never you know it'd be like this. Imagine if I had a real estate team and I told all my buyers agents, hey buyer agents, how much you want to put into marketing? They're never going to put enough in to get the team to the big goal. The the real teams, there's one person controlling the marketing budget. And they're like, I'll take care of the marketing. I'll put the money and you just do your part, right? And you go and do the appointments. You have to look at it like that in order to build a consumer brand or build a brand around a team. If you want to become the most dominant team, somebody's got to centralize and own that thing. That process. The the best products ever made were always basically the, essentially the mind meld of one human. There you go. You can't design something off committee and have it be worth a crap. And every, all the most beautiful everything's always comes from the genius of one person primarily. Yeah. And so what someone needs to do is create a, if it were me, I would get a celebrity endorsement. Go look at the travel side of the business. Mike and Jay. No, I'm talking about a celebrity, like like a celebrity endorsement, like a like a real cele- the no, most trusted celebrity used to be Tom Hanks. That was you know three or four years ago. Um, I don't know anymore. I've seen some controversy around you know what people believe about him. We do him. not talk politics on this show. Well, so. I'm not. I'm just saying I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. don't know. I'm just saying if you can find the most trusted face, um, what was it? Will Shapner is what the travel industry William did, Shatner. right? But that was, but that was the, Captain he, Kirk. Yeah, but they that got makes him. Sense. It was a huge thing. If you oh, go yeah. look at the backstory from a marketing, it was marketing genius. And he cleaned up on that stock, too, but, which but, was awesome. He cleaned up, but who started Zillow? Yeah, I know. And what did he do before? Right, travel industry. Yeah, he, yep. he built a consumer facing brand for the travel industry. And if you look at it, was a if you look at um, all the if, listen, celebrity endorsements 
um, are um, um, there's a there's a I see these celebrity things. If you go to YouTube and look at Open Door, there's something with celebrities. It's not the Open Door, but they use the same name, and I'm always confused. And I see them from time to time. If you look at they're out on the top. You put Open Door, and it'll show a celebrity opening his door. And I'm when I first saw it, I was like, oh my god, they're about to win because that's all they need is is you know more trust. You know, when the consumer, um, and that's what, I think that's what Open Door was saying is when it's hard to change the, like, you have to think like my sister. My sister lives in a little town in Texas. She don't know what Open Door means. She's heard of Zillow, but she did her real estate transaction nine years ago. So her, she hasn't had to go on Zillow, right? Um, lately. And, and so, I, you know, a lot of people, you know, maybe they bought from the builder, so they didn't have that. So it's going to take a while for, you know, someone like me and you who might have moved three or four times in the last five years, you know, we know what's going on right now and so we're in the industry. You, you just said something interesting, and Julie and I were thinking about this a lot too. If people can trade in, like the automobile, how old are you? Um, I'm 41. Okay, so I'm 50. So you might not remember this. It used to be when people, well, you're from a normal poor area like yeah. I am, so you will remember exactly what I'm talking about. People didn't trade out of cars all the damn time. When, when, when your neighbor bought a freaking new what the hell have you, yeah. that was something that all the neighbors got together and they celebrated because it did not happen that frequently. I mean, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So uh, nowadays, people trade in and out of cars constantly. And the expectation, the consumer behavior to move in and out of cars constantly, it's, it's, it's accepted. It's now in the, in the financing and leasing and all these other types of things. It's normalized for people to keep a car for not, you know, long before the cars you know, even when we're close to its past due date. Yeah. That same consumer behavior could translate to home homes. Your sister, the average person stays in their house, what, seven or nine years, something mm-hmm. like that. So if she could easily get out of her house and she could basically trade out of her house and she doesn't have to worry about the perceived hassles of selling it and all the rest of it, one click, you know, a couple of calls and then an offer. I wonder if that's going to increase sales velocity of real estate. What do you think? Yeah, I do. It's so crazy that you asked this. So me and uh, my buddy Woods here, we work out every morning religiously. But I you, could not tell by looking at you guys. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to be around the two of you. We have this other guy named Brandon who works out with us. He's not in the real estate business, but he knows that I am. I met him through, he's the assistant rookie tackle coach with me. And so he's going through a real estate transaction. I cannot make this up. I think it was four days ago. Just to put that comment in perspective, I look like I'm a hobbit walking amongst giants in this in this room that we're in. Just, just so oh, he's lying. So, so <laughs> listeners can visualize that. So, so, so this Brandon guy, he um, he he says, my wife comes in the room and she says, you know what Brandon just asked me? She said, what? I said, what? She said, he asked me if those I buyers, the buy your house for th- cash works because he's found his dream home. There you go. And so, you know what she said? She said, no, they don't work. And he said, I thought they were. So the, the thing is, is that uh, the people that are exposed to them, they're still going to know an agent, whether it's their mother, their brother, or their sister. And the agent is not going to have to say a whole lot to persuade them. For now. Yeah, for right now. That's what I'm saying. So you, you, it's going to take a little while. Um, but what they should be doing, and this is, I'll, let me let me ask a question. Mike, if you wanted to kill them from taking over your business, if they were in your market, what would you do? I would just have one story on Facebook of a person who had a bad experience. Just one. I'm going to tell you something funny about if, that. What, one experience of got, someone who got ripped off. Do one. You have, do you have a pen and paper over there? Yeah, yeah. Because there's what, because, 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 because all the consumer is Dude, always – it's like, it's, like, it's like looking for foundation problems when they're in a house. They're looking for um, – they're looking for the problem, right? 
And so there's a book called Bi- Biology. When people don't buy, they don't believe you. And so if I were if I were trying to combat that, um, I would just have a, a couple little stories around, you know, people who lost, you know, people who were frustrated, people who say, you know, and I thought it was too good to be true. And the next thing you wanted me, they wanted me to do $21,000 in repairs. You got a computer in front of you. I want you to search yeah. something. I want you to go to Yelp and then I want you to put in um, Open Door. And then I want you to go to Yelp and I want you to put in um, Zillow offers. And I want you to try to find their Yelp pages. They Should probably don't have one. They don't have any. Uh-uh. Well, what the hell happened? Yeah, because that's all it takes. No, but, but listen. So what happened when this is a story. Inman broke this too. Uh-huh. I think Teak Wiggins wrote this article. He did. I remember. It was unbelievably fascinating. Okay. So basically, the, these guys, a lot of these companies shared the same members of the boards of director. You know, Yelp and all these. And then I think Glassdoor. Yes, Glassdoor also was founded by Rich Barton, who now is the CEO of Zillow. So all these review things where companies will normally never want to appear, basically, and you know, in Yelp, it's we could just argue the efficacy of uh, you know yelp and it's like the old you know bbb days when you know essentially businesses are paying and just let's just set that aside for a second but those i buyers they were receiving such salacious horrible nasty reviews on yelp for example that basically they uh, determined that based on the terms of service of yelp etc that yelp is only supposed to be uh reviewing local physical location businesses and if you're a virtual business, you, you don't qualify to be on Yelp. So they removed their pages and they tried to do it super, super secretly so that consumers couldn't easily find them a level of dissatisfaction out there with the iBuyers. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, because in truth, if you get the stories of the people that don't sell, then what would happen is it would be confirmation and it'd be hard to build a consumer-facing brand. It just would. And so people right now, you know, the last thing people want to do is waste their time or waste a lot so of money. So I wouldn't do what you said? And from a marketing yeah. perspective? I'm just saying, I would do it on rate. I, I would. I would no re- way I'm getting in the mosh pit with you about marketing. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah. dumb. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't do what you said because what I would do instead is if you were an EXP agent, say, great, we have that option too. Let's yeah. discuss which one's the best fit for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. But not everybody's an EXP agent. Well, I don't understand that either, but that, that's a topic but, for another podcast. Or maybe not. I mean, yeah, honestly. Yeah. So this is, this, is yeah, my, yeah. this is my premise. If you're not associated with the brokerage so yell or to say open door and whatever it becomes in zillow you're there's going to be employee agents they're definitely going to list resales don't believe what they're saying so if you're if you're an agent and you're i get this question all the time I'm sure you do too yeah. right so agents are fearful that they're going to be out of business in five years and they're worried about it, especially if they're in their 30s they're worried about doubling down and you know really laying long-term plans for their future in real estate. And I get the question all the time, what's the long-term in real estate going to be like? And in my opinion, this is always going to be true. There will never be a time ever (laughs) where people are not going to want to use a real estate agent. There'll never be a time when people won't want to use if like I was, you were, I, when you and I were sitting for lunch, the last time you and uh, Jay were here, you were doing a little bit of short selling and whatnot on your phone and, you know, doing quite well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I've never studied that before. And I was thinking about asking you about it. Not that I'd ever probably do it. I'm more conservative than that. But that's something that's fascinating. So my natural inclination wasn't to fire up a web. This is a point you made a second yeah. ago. It was to go to somebody I trusted. Right. And that will never change. So you'll all, humans are, are lizard, circadian, you know, root brains will always want to seek the advice of somebody who we feel is going to guide us, even if we have the plethora of information available on the internet. Right. So 
So for those of you who are worried about being relevant in the future, I think in, well, let's be honest. If you're a low skilled agent who only knows how to buy leads, who's never learned how to be proactive with lead generation. And if you're not associated with a company that's not setting itself up to compete in the future, um, you know, meeting the consumer demands, you probably will have problems competing. You probably will have problems in the future. An opinion on that? I agree. 100%. Yeah. But I mean, so what are the other big brokerages doing? We probably shouldn't even talk about that, but I don't see any of them. They're all trying to basically double down on franchises and they're doubling down on their old models. They're well, right. I mean, the truth is, I mean, I mean, most brokerages, what they do is they, they, this is the truth, is they rely on their culture to keep people. That's right. They, and so most of them, um, they, they find an agent who is bubbly and nice. And I mean, this is a person that would be your favorite aunt or your favorite <laughs> uncle. And they, they name them and put them in a position of leadership to make everybody happy, warm and fuzzy. And then they, they... They, they they did that in a physical space. And so there was a there's a lot of things in real estate that people operate from fear. And so people want to go to that space, that safe place, to the office. He means an office. Yeah. And and so that worked. And then what we do is we invite So you go to the safe place and there's your aunt Aunt Betty who's gonna pat you on the back. Uh, and, and your nice friend Joe tea. and, and yeah. Tim and Julie and We never Kate went to the office, but not, not you I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. I was just making up names. Oh my God! I did not. I swear to. I wasn't using you and Tim. I was thinking Tim Grubbs. I wasn't even thinking about you and. So, listeners, if you think that was loud on your mic, it was sorry, incredibly loud sitting across the table from yeah. him. So I, I feel for you. Yeah, not Tim and Julie Harris. I'm saying just. We I'm thinking it. that Michaels and Jays and like yeah. all the agents, right? They go to the office. Um, that's so weird. But the it, point is... It's a fake family in essence. Yeah, yeah. And, and then what they do. But my point is, and then what we do is we do another event, which is a training. And we call that bold. And then we do another event called family reunion. Well, if you're built around your methodology of keeping agents around bringing them to live social gatherings to re-energize them and help them hope for the future, I think that you know the pandemic has created challenges for those business models. So what you're saying is that most of the traditional brokerages only survive because agents are making an emotional decision because they want recognition, they want a sense of belonging 100%. in their in, in versus actual financial thinking 100%. about financial. And it goes back to the I think distasteful joke frankly that you never go to a realtor's retirement party because they never retire. Right. They just become listless. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know. So but that is the truth. Real estate agents are again, it's why are so many real estate agents perpetually broke? I mean, there was a study um, that I heard that the average top producing, like massive mega agent that everyone idolizes is basically two months of bad cash flow away from being flat broke. And we saw this after the housing crash. Yeah. I mean, how many of these big ass agents, the, the big famous ones were all over TV and stuff, evaporated after 07, 08 because they didn't have the staying power. Right. Right. So they weren't making financial decisions. And and let's let's do talk about EXP because it's something you and I are both passionate about. Yeah. So if you look at, for example, Glenn seeded the idea for EXP as a result of that because he saw this effectively. I, I, Orlando, uh, you know, in Miami did an interview with him. And I love what uh, Glenn said. Glenn said he had to create a system that would take care of agents in retirement and financially despite themselves. <laughs> I thought that was such a funny quote because it's true. Yeah, yeah. Because left to their own devices, they're never going to create any financial security for themselves. They're going to spend it all. They're going to spend it all and they're going to spend it all and they're going to spend it all and then they're going to be broke and then they're going to spend it all again. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it's the perpetual cycle and it's sad because it ruins lives. I don't know about you, but after the last housing crash, not to make this sound depressing, but we had friends, we had just the... the, the 
we had people we knew committed suicide. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to, you know, I don't want to bring it up. There's really horrible stuff that happened. And people don't talk about that. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like the unintended consequences of having these forced lockdowns this long as a result of the pandemic, right? It's not just financial, but it's the mental health of a lot of these people whose lives are getting devastated. Well, I'm sorry, listeners, but in real estate, it was a hundred X fold after uh, the, you know, he was, you know, in the short sale business too. It was, it was horrible. It was terrible. People crying all the time. Yeah. You know, but in any event, so that's when Glenn seeded the idea. So Glenn seeded the idea for EXP as a result of him having experienced that and seeing the devastation that happened to you know people. And then here's the cool thing. And and, and so there is another so there like the pandemic. So the the housing crash seeded the ideas and the momentum for EXP. At least got the ball rolling. Still a lot of market resistance. What the heck's a virtual thing? What's an avatar? What's the everything? Now because of the pandemic. Look what's happened to EXP's growth. Yeah, I mean, how many quarters, uh, consecutive quarters of, uh, of you know, positive income and, and making you know a profit mm-hmm. has there been three or four during the pandemic? Now let's be careful. We're not celebrating the pandemic and we're not being insensitive to all those types of things. But the reality of it is, is that we're now seeing another set of circumstances happen that's going to cause. To Mike's point, it's going to cause everyone to say, you know what? I thought I needed an office. I thought I needed that community. I thought that was important to me. Now I've not had it for three or four months, and my mind is now open up to the fact that you know I can now seriously consider EXP. And then when you enter in, when you set aside those emotional circumstances that were keeping you moored to the shore, right? We're never allowing you to go exploring in your mental, emotional, financial ship. But when you cut those lines, and then you start going out there and you start sailing and you start realizing what Glenn really did create. And you know Glenn well, far better than I do. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable genius. People credit other people, Dave Linegar, Gary Keller, definite geniuses. But geniuses for the sake of building franchises, Glenn's a genius for the sake of basically doing something that will benefit agents, not just for a year or two years, but a generation, two generations, three generations. That's incredible. That is incredible, yeah. He, and he is a... If you get the opportunity to work with him, the 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 feeling that you get is the um, the un the unbelievable, true, authentic passion to help the agent. And people don't. You, it's that's. Let me from the logo to everybody's a recruiter and all the other bullshit people make up in their head to really saying, well, maybe there's something going on here. Let me kind of let me get into the. The, the meat and potatoes, the roots, the foundation, how did this, like what you, the things you were saying, the, the intention was good. And dude, truth always comes out over time. It just does. I mean, you can, it just does. And so when, for me, um, you know, I've been there and been asked legit. I've, I've, I've been called, I, I got a phone call from Glenn, um, on a text. I got a text on Christmas or no, uh, New Year's Eve. And it was about four thirty-five. It might have been five thirty. And I was about to give my little boys a bath. They all go to bed at three. Little boys, they go to bed at seven, seven thirty latest. And he said, "Hey, you have time to talk?" And I texted back, "Yeah, when?" He's and it's New Year's Eve. And he said, um, "How about now?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And I mean, I like there was no um, in between conversation. It was like just straight to. And we just so you know, we were talking to iBuyer. That's what he called me about. He calls me on New Year's Eve of 2019 to talk to me about the iBuyer. Further away, not close. Oh, yeah. to talk to me about the iBuyer program. I can't adjust the mic settings on my lavaliers. Yeah, yeah. Is what it is. And so um, so the the truth is is that um, um, we, we enter into this discussion, and the next day I'm on the phone with him and the CFO. 
He's like, well, can we circle back? And it's not, my point isn't the topic. My point is. How his mind works. He's working on New Year's Eve thinking about the next. That's how he's thinking. Yeah. Right. And so um, if people, and, and, you know, there's things that work and don't work. But um, I, I just feel like he's really, um, uh, for sure, from my perspective, him and the, 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 the entire team of EXP, I just feel like they're, they're, they're in a place where it's what makes, it's the principles of success. The principles of success, things that make people successful, I think are all around the way decisions are made at EXP. And I've been in other places where it's just so hard to get a decision to be made. I mean, you know, um, it, I'm just hard, you know, because people are just used to the way things, that the way the way things are being done, and so, um, yeah, I think agents are going to be in for a, a real surprise. I think I think the pandemic, um, it it compressed time by at least 36 months, in my opinion, um, maybe even five years. I mean, what the the virtual conversation you don't have at all anymore. You know, when I came into EXP, Tim, people used to talk. This is let me tell you real 60-second soundbite of my experience at EXP. I was going to ask you, so thanks. I was going to ask you, so thanks. The, well, my business partner, not Jay, another guy, said, I talked to Bat, and he was an investment banker, and EXP stock is over-the-counter. Do you know what over-the-counter means? Do you really know? That stock will never, less than, and he gave me some bullshit made-up statistic on the spot, and said that stock will never be on the Nasdaq. That's what he said. And sixty days, ninety days later, it was trading on the Nasdaq from that conversation. So it's so. And this is a guy that is a friend of mine that I stay at his house, who I would say was truly trying to look at my best interest. I know people. What moved me at EXP was when I met a twenty-three-year-old kid who had multiple six figures in stock. Um, and. What really moved, I have some clients that I moved. Just think about this. Think about having a client that you know maybe they have maybe 10, 50, 25, maybe 75,000 in, we call it core capital. So one of our philosophies came from a book called Simple Number Straight Talk Big Profit by Greg Crabtree, which is chapter number one, How the Entrepreneur Pays Itself. All our mastermind members said it was the one book that changed their life. It's called A Financial Cube. And it just basically says that you should have a certain amount of money in the bank. You do this stuff instinctively. With You said it to Jay when I was there. Don't spend X percent more of your income. You have little mental models in which you live your life, find, make financial decisions. And this book is a framework by YPO, um, which helps entrepreneurs and stuff. Young Presidents Organization. Julie and I actually started a chapter of YEO, the cousin to that, in uh, Columbus. Okay, so yeah. So Greg is a part of that community and helps these people with financial you know, decisions to run their business. And he, and he says you should have. So what we always did when we coach somebody is we find out how much money they have saved, how much money they, it took to operate their business, and how much money they needed to sh- shoot for for core capital because we wanted them to have a healthy business. That was kind of the nucleus of our philosophy. And so I knew what people had in the bank. I knew people who were selling hundreds of homes that if, like you said, they were three months away from not being able to pay their bills, right? But they're selling hundreds of homes a month, right? A hundred homes a month. Pull that away just ever so slightly. Yeah, that's good yep. right there. And so um, long story short is um, with the, the way this whole thing, you know, went th- that I'm trying to explain is is that these these people that I was meeting in EXP had multiple six figures in stock. Right. Now, this was when the stock was at – the stock hit six in the December 
that I had went up and um, anyway, long story short, it was at $6 at this one particular time when I met this individual. Now I have agents that I personally remember them being on a Zoom call and coming over and I'm looking at their newsfeed and they have $300,000, $400,000 in stock. Um, I'm not going to say their names, but I mean, this is multiple well, people. There, there's people that have basically who are early in an EXP that have become millionaires and have just. Well, this guy, well, these, these aren't people that were early. These were people. Yeah. So, so I'll give you an example. This guy named Brian, he came in a year ago. Okay. He told he, I got the text history. It said, should I go into the stock deal? He sent me a screenshot. Even a guy in Utah named Steve sent me a screenshot and says, is this real? <laughs> like, is this real? And so my point is, is that people who come to EXP, a lot of them didn't even think about the stock. You know, it was like, okay, well, the stock's good and great. But, you know, a lot of them liked other things. You know, some everybody had something different that they like. But the stock is a real, uh, I think. A, 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 it's a forced savings plan. Yeah, and it's and, it, and people are seeing, seeing the people who got in are now reaping the benefits. But, but it's not too late. It's just getting started. And so this, this is an interesting p- a pivot because I just wrote this down. As I forgot to bring this up earlier. So EXP is valued on the market cap of less than $3 billion mm-hmm. and profitable company. You know, agents are going to be over 100,000, maybe even more international, licensed in all 50 states, all the rest of it. Brilliant leadership. Okay, Zillow, again, brilliant leadership. They have all their attributes, but they're valued at almost $20 billion. What's the, pip, what's the reason why? Because Zillow is seen, and an open door is seen as a tech company, company yep. and, and EXP is still being valued in the same bucket as a real estate franchise. But Z- EXP is not, it is a real estate company, but it really is a tech company. So I don't have, know if you have an opinion on this. Yeah. And, and, and just for the, anybody who's, you know, I don't have all the legal small print, but we absolutely don't know what the hell we're talking about. So if you're listening to us for advice on investing, you've come to the wrong place. Let's just say that. Yeah. So any disclaimers. But the reality of it is, is that at what point, to the point about when they can start buying a market share through an iBuyer, I think this is where your mind was going to, but you and I mm-hmm. turned the corner. As soon as they basically are getting the tech valuation that their hypothetical competitors are, then the horses have left the barn. At that point, the whole world changes. Yeah, they opened up the investor meeting on August 6th. The, I, I got it recorded. I've sent it to people. They opened it up. In the, in the first three minutes, they talk about exactly what you said. The whole investor call after they reported earnings. And they said if we were evaluated the, through the same valuation process as Redfin, we would be $140 a share. That right. was the numbers that were well, used. Look at Tesla. Yeah. I mean, Tesla has a market cap. I don't even know what the hell its market cap is. But they make cars. And you compare them to, say, for example. But you, they don't. But they well, don't. exactly, exactly. But, I mean, it's the, a technology the, company. Technically, yeah, but, well, the, the the thing is, is they said that they're the literally last week they said their battery business will be a three hundred billion dollar business. Right. That's just batteries. That's just you know they, they own Solar City. Those so, the solar power gets stored in a battery in a house. You know um, that those batteries right now we're we're here. Um, we use generators. You could use solar. You know, there's just we're going to look at a house called the Tesla House today at uh 3 30 that's cool and it's completely off the grid but it you know the point the point is is you the point is is you are right it's not too late the no and the problem that i was just getting started yeah and the problem that i'm saying is is that the cheerleaders around you i tell people listen follow the money find truth for yourself elon musk said always assume you're wrong that's his number one way for solving problems ray delio the number one hedge fund manager in the world principles he says the same thing find truth for yourself and the truth is, is that you have to ask yourself a better question. What if you are wrong? I know for a fact that the single decision for me, which I was not doing bad, I was—I would say I was doing really well, to come over to EXP took one thing. It took me to change 
my vision that I had created, that I had been duking it out for. I had been given, I had been told by smarter people than me that, man, you and Jay are just like, they use this sound, because they were asking us how we got here. And this guy is Harvard MBA, John Z, was on the board for Commissions Inc. He was like, man, y'all worked your little butts off the hard way, you know? And, and we were having conversations like this before EXP was even a conversation, but we were having similar conversations on, um, you know, the disruption and all that of real estate. In my opinion, I had to get over, first of all, let me tell you the first thing. In the book, Business Model for Dummies, you know, there's strategy. With People have to understand strategy. The best way it's explained to me is, there's two things. Like when they're trying to land on the moon, they don't have to know how they're going to land on the moon. They make what they consider as assumptions about landing on the moon. This is a book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. Michael Porter, he's uh, with you know Harvard um, uh, strategist. And, and he says, let's not worry about how we're going to land on the moon. Let's assume like Earth, there's good and bad spots to land. And we'll solve that when we get there. Now, the book talks about in a good strategy, there's what they call as a kernel. And a kernel, and this is this is what I, I have this conversation with my wife all the time. I'm looking for the strategy. The kernel is is what is the strategy? And so people like, why are you? What problem? Like the 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 uh, in good strategy, bad strategy. The whole book says is the a bad strategy is solving the wrong problem. Okay, so if you go and give me a good idea, and it's a great strategy, but it's solving the wrong problem. The problem that we're solving here is this. This is the problem, is that agents are going to, over time, have a disproportionate share of income to invest back into their business to get that same disproportionate share of market share that currently is funded the Zillows and the offer pads. So the, the, the thing that you said is that when agents are one or two things away, I don't care who you are. The bottom line is, is if let's just say that an agent has multiple income streams. One of those streams may be because, like me, when I got into real estate, I helped my uncle and aunt. I helped my next door neighbor growing up. I didn't get anything. I helped my guy who um, sold me advertising, Stuart Smith. All these people are still in real estate today and became very successful. But the broker that they went to got paid. There was an economic incentive right? That allowed me to change my behavior to do a higher leveraged activity and get compensated for it because I was out there becoming successful anyway. And so through that, naturally people reached out to me and NAR came out with a stat that said 80% of all the transactions are going to be done by people who get licensed over the next 36 months. So people always say, well, with EXP, people have already been all recruited. No, you're wrong. When I got into real estate, I was rookie. There's a rookie of the year that's getting their license now. Right. And they're going to and they're going to have questions and they're going to need help. And some people don't understand is you don't have to be at the top to help somebody. You might just need to be able to help that one new agent fill out their first listing paperwork. So we said we said several things here that they need to listen to because a lot of agents are worried that they're going to be relevant. Right. Number one. And I agree 100 percent with what you just said. There's going to be an increase in the number of agents, not a decrease. And we're already seeing that. Normally, you see an increase when the economic times are you know, hard and agents and people go to get licenses for a side hustle to try to supplement their income or whatnot. But this is the first time you've seen an increase in a booming seller's market. Now you're seeing an increase in a recession, you know, whatever the hell's next type market. So you're seeing more people get into real estate and consumer behavior is going to change. So you're going to see more sales velocity, more homes being sold. But the biggest thing is you mentioned Ray Dalio. He's talked obviously a lot about this, but you're seeing uh, a seismic shift in the 
um, first of all, you're seeing all these big movements out of the cities, but the demographics are, are so much in favor of uh, more and more real estate transactions and everything. So if real, it's, it's shocking to say, but real estate's probably, I think real estate and financials are the only two industries that have actually done incredibly well, almost because of the pandemic, right? Yeah. And, and then if you look at all these other, just reeling it back into t- focus on EXP, if you look at all the other real estate brokerages, I don't look at their financials or you know read their K-1s and whatnot. Not, some of them I do, but not all of them. And none of them were doing well during uh, the pandemic. All of them were in panic mode except EXP. Is there ever a home that you've ever owned in your 50 years of being alive that if you would have kept it would have not have been an amazing investment? Yeah, right. Is that true? Whether good or bad market. There's only two houses that Julie and I have ever owned that we, um, actually that's not true, there are three that we sold. And every, with the exception of one, we should have kept them for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's bottom line. And so and, you, and then you enter in inflation. I mean, if inflation, and, and I was just sitting actually on the beach just the other day and I was talking to a hedge fund guy. And it was, I, a friend invited me who's another hedge fund guy. And we're, you know, we were sitting there talking and I'm of course listening. And then I start asking this guy questions. And the question that a lot of these financial guys are trying to figure out, inflation or deflation. After the last housing crash, there was deflation followed by inflation, right? As the money started trickling in from all the economic stuff that the, the Fed was producing, then you saw the inflation of not just houses, but freaking everything. But now we skipped what would have been the deflationary cycle and we've gone right to inflation. So inflation, what that does ultimately is not good. But in the short run, it, it could be not good provided that the inflation is allowed to run amok. And when these guys were talking about that hyperinflation, none of them thought that would happen. But they all agreed, and this is the funny part, um, they all agreed that real estate would be a kick-ass investment during this cycle. And these guys are the ones that are trying to sell you stocks and bonds and whatnot because they get commission off of it. And here they are saying, buy, freaking buy real estate. Right. That was amazing. Yeah. Because they know in an inflationary cycle that real estate is going to inflate or appreciate in price. And and when you can lock in a 30-year mortgage rate, the rates were 2.5%. What the hell? By the way, good luck getting a rate lower than 4.5% down here when, you, yeah. when it comes time for you to buy. Good luck. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the moral of the story is that you are beholden to you. It's imperative that you go out and buy a house. that's going to be a long-term fixed rate mortgage in the twos. And then chances are, if inflation kicks in, like a lot of these, you know, guys are, 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 are saying you're going to have the inflation rate outpace whatever the cost of the money is for you to borrow. Now don't go ape shit and start borrowing money, but that's the kind of interesting thing that when you start thinking big picture, you know, if you combine something, if you look at uh, the financial uh, strife that's entering into the economy and you look at it as, in an opportunistic perspective, your world pivots. And that's re- ultimately, and you said something, and it's fascinating because I thought you were about to say, why didn't you get into EXP? How long have you been in EXP? Uh, 2017. Okay, so almost four years. So why why didn't you get it? You had to have been hunted aggressively in DXP as much as Julie and I were prior to getting DXP. We've been in it. This is our uh, 21st month, right? Yeah, we got a video. Um, from a guy who was a, uh, an well, agent. Why, why didn't you do it sooner? Uh, we got a video. We laughed at it. <laughs> so we, we, we laughed at it. I'll tell you, this is an amazing story. I, I, I got to tell it to you. This guy is a, a genius over here. We should have him say yeah. at least hello because he keeps on referencing him. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's a Woods Davis business partner. He's, he came down to Puerto Rico with me. Say hi, Woods Davis. You have to say it loud. Okay. And so... Um, Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> and so Woods um, went back. We got a video, and it and it created. It was a video that Gene had done for Chris and Gene, Gene Frederick did for Chris Waters. Okay, and Chris Waters, you know, yeah. top agent in Austin. And so he had sent it to us and said, "What do you think about this?" 
and uh, we watched it, and it, it it was like someone had put together a video of like and it, like just get, we at that particular time we had a saying that we said all the time: getting rich on a spreadsheet. We had we had internally as a company used that. We had been approached almost monthly with opportunities. And so we would listen to them and we were like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that's going to work, right? Too much emphasis on the avatar is what I'm hearing. Um, this, well, no, this, this was just the – this was we, – we looked at it. We were doing something very similar. Mm-hmm. So in June of 2016, we had a face-to-face podcast and we had pledged to get 2,000 partners nationwide. We had a different model and we had been executing that successfully. And um, this is for the National Association of Expert Advisors. We called ourselves the Expert Advisor Home Home Selling or Expert Advisor Home Services. We had agents. We were bringing them over left and right. We were moving. I was going to Houston and Georgia, Atlanta once a quarter. We had established what would have been basically equivalent to a broker in Atlanta. We were doing it. Um, We were using a guy by the name of Larry who had built Dynatech, which was in the financial services space, had done something very similar. We were turned on to a guy who did it in the insurance space through a network. So we were and we were doing weekly, if not monthly calls with Clayton Mask on how to create cap tables to get shares. All this is we I mean, I have spreadsheets and Word documents and I I mean, we had a team working on it. The problem um, was growth sucks cash. And so all of that growth, um, and we were a salary-based model. We had a couple things. We had two or three things wrong. So you were going to roll up all these uh, di- these different real estate teams and brokerages and basically put them under one umbrella, in essence. Yeah, and they would, but they got a they got a territory, right? And so, j- so, so in the investment world, that's called a roll-up model. Yeah, and so we, they got a territory, and that territory was going to be their sellable asset. So when they wanted to when they wanted to get out, if you owned Plano. Right, you could you could sell your territory to somebody, but it Great wasn't. Idea. A, yeah, and so anyway, long story short, we'd partner with them, and we we would do what we essentially do now at EXP. When we partner with people, we help them grow their business without charging them. The difference is, um, in this model, we were taking a, a, some of the overhead, and once we had helped these agents go from never selling more than some of these agents literally would never sell more than eight deals. You know, they'd be selling 50 deals, but then they would want to talk about their split. We've, and we've, they, they've been in real estate 10 years, never sold more than 18. Their first year with us, they're doing 50 deals, and they want a higher split, and they don't understand the numbers behind it. So we hadn't, we hadn't, we saw the platform. That's what we saw. So the year, that year goes by, we're like, we start um, digging in, and long story short, Jay goes, um, here's the truth, is, um, I go to Jay and um, I'm just looking. We wrote the book Digital President. Chapter one of that is about um, of that book is. I have no idea about. So, by the way, j- uh, d- this book which I'm holding in my hand, you can get this on Amazon. I yeah, assume. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm going to give you. Make sure you release this in Kindle. Okay. And make sure you get it in Audible. And when you do in Kindle, remember I told you guys this. Make sure you make it so the Kindle members can download it for free, and then on Kindle it will become an international bestseller instantly. Okay. Seriously, and like countries, you don't even know where they are. Yeah, yeah. That's how you do it. So, the, so we, we the, in that book, chapter one, it talks about your freedom number. Put the, I have to tell you, put this in context. I have no clue that I'm looking for passive income, but me and him on December 2nd, 2016, I, I went to JAD, watched the thing called the, um, the Defiant Ones. Me and him were training for an ultra marathon, a, two, a 62-mile race called the Mandera. I was on a 14-mile run one day, and I, got, I came back, and I was done. I, I, it's a long story, but I went to Jay, and I said, hey, man, dude, I'm done. He's like, what do you mean you're done? I said, oh, dude, I'm done. I'm done, dude. I want freedom. I'm in meetings after meetings. You mean meeting. Kinder, right? Jay Kinder, yeah. Yeah. What'd I say? 
No, I'm just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, context. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I go to Jay Kinder and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm done. I watched this movie, The Defiant Ones, where Jimmy Levine, I thought it was going to be cool about Dr. Dre. I end up falling in love with Jimmy Levine, and someone's giving a testimonial and says, Jimmy Levine, he says, he'll kick over the sandcastle. And he's telling the backstory how he hooked up with Steve Jobs and why the Beats deal made billions. And I'm just kind of in this thing where I'm in this info, I went from like this info business to this coaching model, to this association, to partnering with agents, to, you know, just too many moving parts. And I just want to go back to the drawing board and I'm willing to kick over the sandcastle was the word that me and him used. And I'm like, kick over the sandcastle means just shut it all down and I'll build it all back up. We're at almost 10 million a year, right? And Jay's like, what do you mean you're done? And I said, here's what I want you to do. That was a good Jay Kinder impression. Yeah, yeah. That was perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's like seven in the morning. He says, I'll never forget where I was. And I said, write down on the wall everything you want and you can have it. Write it down. You have it. I'm not saying we're going to, you'll still have the same ownership, but you can own them. Because what happened at that time, Tim, is it would take meetings just to know what we were going to name something. They would have to get with Jay, get with me, get with Jay, get with me, get with Jay, get with me. For all, like so many little decisions were hard. And so we, I wanted to, we had a software company, we had a coaching company, we had an events company. And so I wanted to, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be able to make a decision like back when I mowed grass. Like, I just want to be like, yeah, we'll chop down that tree for 500 bucks. Let's go. I don't know. Move the needle. It came so hard to move the needle with so many people. And I did, that was the thing I told you. I was like, dude, I want to be able to move the needle, dude. I want to be able to move the needle by going home on Thanksgiving where I do my work for a week and think about a great ass idea. And then I want to come and by freaking January, knock the cover off the ball. So that leads to, we have this million dollar info, you know, $800,000 high profit business that I had built around a book doing inside sales uh, boot camps, high level ticket inside sales boot camps. And then we have this little brokerage over here that we're doing this partner thing. And Jay took the brokerage. So Jay writes down, this is October. Jay writes down, um, he writes down brokerage. I'll take this, I'll take that. And then there's one that's kind of the hardest. So one. I didn't get that. So you guys were actually splitting up assets. This, uh-huh. was, this was like a business divorce but not really in the in the volatile. We sense. would still we would still have shares, but you would have no say over that business unit. Got I wouldn't it. have to come to you for nothing. You don't have to come to me for nothing. Got right? it. Right? That's the deal. We're still best friends. We still get paid. We still have, we so we took the financial company and created an agreement, and it became the CFO and created you know uh, reports for us. But he essentially became the CEO because they, they they had little owners. You know, we had a software company that was you know doing you know three three hundred thousand dollars a month, and then we have this other company. He was running downpayment.org, which was he had built that thing up to half a million dollars a month in ninety days. We were doing over a hundred outbound referrals a day. Um, it was making money, then it was losing money. It was just all this c- c- complexity. That led that one kickover is what made Jay then look at that unit because Jay knew how to run a brokerage. That was something he was passionate about. He had he had he had agreed that the complexity people wanted it to be fun. So he was like, and just so you know, the brokerage I had been running all by I had been driving past the office, going downtown and and kind of built this brokerage thing. All the infrastructure had eighteen or one point ISAs. Um, we were doing, you know, the goal, my goal, I was doing 18,000 outbound calls a week, doing circle prospecting, shooting videos about it, writing a book about it, then just, just having fun, you know, and, uh, being an entrepreneur and, um, and, uh, Jay takes that unit and, uh, it's Jay's birthday, October 20 or October 13th. We're supposed to go, we're supposed to go to his birthday. And we had went to this conference, traffic and conversion with Ryan Dice 
<clears throat> Jesse Itzler, the author of um, Living with the Seal, was on stage and he makes this proposal. He says, hey, who wants to climb a mountain with me? I'm doing this Everest challenge, blah, blah, blah. Well, we hit him up and we, we end up saying we're going to do it. And it's like less than 30 days away and we ain't even trained. Mm -mm. So we're that supposed to. bad. Yeah. So we're supposed to go climb this mountain with 300 of the top. Was it Everest? It's a, it's, it's a simulated Everest climb. You have to climb a mountain 17 times in two days. Okay. And it's. It's Everest without the cold. Without the cold, but it was cold. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 was in, it, it was in Virginia or Vermont. Vermont. And, um, and so the guy who was like on The Biggest Loser, the guy who just, Cody, who just rode across the Atlantic mm -hmm. and walked, he, he was there. Um, you know, Sarah Blakely, the billionaire woman, his wife uh, who founded Spanx. All these people are here. 300, you go to these tents. They have like these Toomey gifts. It's done first class. They have people, massage people, but you can't start climbing until 2 o'clock. And then um, on the last day, which is Sunday, you have to stop climbing at five. Well, anyway, we register for this thing, me, him, and uh, Jay. And uh, it was all Jay's idea. It was for his birthday. And I called Jay about eight o'clock at night and said, hey, what time? EJ was our driver. I said, hey, what time do you want EJ to pick you up? He says, um, hey, have him pick me up. Uh, Jay lived out in the country. I said, do you, want, do you want EJ to pick you up or do you want to meet at my house? Or you want to meet at the office? He says, meet at the office. So I'm at the office. It's like, six in the morning it's me and him we got all of our stuff this was a lot of you had to pack pretty good for this thing smartly and so we're sitting there waiting and he doesn't show it's his birthday his idea he's the one that texted we're sitting there we're like we're gonna be late dude we gotta go maybe he's at the airport i, I jay will figure it out you know if he's gonna if he slept in i don't know what he did i just talked to him he said meet him here i'm showing him the text so we end up there they have a birthday cake on his cot because you have to climb up to base camp and there's a cot you know in these tents and uh, I don't see Jay. And so I fly, I, dude, I mean, it, that's, that whole event is worth, I mean, it's the number one. They said they'll find your soul on that. You find your soul. Number, probably the number one decision I made in my life for, for learning about myself. It for sure was extremely life-changing. So, but I can't walk. And we have an event, a mastermind event where agents are. So it was time that once we got done, there was one day in between. And then we had an event at the Omni Hotel. So I'm flying back in. Our plane gets hit in the side and they damage the plane and they give us a free room in Atlanta and I'm supposed to speak. Your plane got hit? Yeah. With what? Uh, you know the gate thing that comes out? Oh my God. They hit it. So they cancel our flight home. I'm supposed to speak the next day at the mastermind. So they end up moving me to day two. So now, so I wasn't there for them. Normally the mastermind, I'd find out where Jay's at, but I'm showing up from the airport late to speak. And I'm speaking about really about goal setting and what I learned on this climb. Um, which I already had the topic, but it just meant a little could bit. Could you walk at this point? I could hobble. <laughs> I could hobble. Only thirty percent, like only thirty percent of the people. That's finished. called an authentic stage speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only thirty percent of the people finished. We were the last two that finished. Like, not a lot of people finished. So we're 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 um, we're going to give this talk, and I see Jay across the room. They're at a break right when I get there. Just timing. There's like this day two, three more speakers left, and I'm like, where the f did, did you go? And he was like, dude, I'll tell you later, dude. Just trust me. I was like, nah, I got time right now. Where were you? You tricked me into – did you even register? You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, like, what was this? Because that would be like the ultimate payback prank of the 10 years of me getting him. Absolutely. He pranked me into go climbing a mountain and didn't show. And he's like, no, dude, listen. He was like, Al called me and me, Al, John, and uh, Bob, we all flew to – um, remember that EXP? I was like, yeah, because I had been approached. I had little exposure to it, but I had been approached when I was in um, Utah by the, the guy who was over Utah. 
So we had had some conversation. It's a long story, but I called Jay, and he has approached the same day. It was a coincident deal. It's like, dude, I was approached by this ESP deal, you know, and he was like, dude, I was approached too. And he's on one side of the, we're on, tour, we're on doing a tour, and um, we just end up kind of shooting the shit, and then it dissolves. And, you know, so we had Chris who told us about it. We'd been approached on the road, and then um, one of our clients, um, so our, a guy who worked for us, Cliff, whenever we shut down our real estate brokerage, we went to this um Whenever we shut down our coaching business and went to this real estate brokerage model, he had moved his license to ESP. And he had worked with us for probably about 10 years. So Cliff, Coach Cliff goes over. Then he had a student when he coached for us named Al. And he had been, you know, AJ Mida was a student. You know, a lot of the, uh, you know, Brent Gove, he had, Brent Gove had spoke at our event. And then he had spoke at Haas's event. Haas was a... a Al Stasek in Michigan, right? He's in Cleveland. Oh, that's right. So a lot of these people, and Sheila was at front row sitting at an event. Sheila Farajan. Yeah, and she called Brent. So there's a lot of people that are going over there. So it's around us, and um, they had just, and I wasn't paying any attention to it. I mean, I'm growing the other business, not paying any attention. It's not even like anything else I'm not paying attention to right now. And so, but Jay, um, because of the division of the business units, and that was something he had to wrestle down because there were people who were salaries, and he had to get a plan for that unit to, yeah, to be he had, profitable. He had to create money. He had to create money for that business. He, yeah. he was now, I had been running it up to that point. So he was looking for an opportunity. Long story short is he went in and he, um, he, 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 um, he saw the opportunity and he said, uh, he flew there, he flew back, and he had brought back Sheila and Rob Flick. And so they, after I speak, he says, just don't ask any questions, just watch. So I'm like, all right, dude, I'm all right, what are you, what? What do you got me watching? And so we watched this presentation, which was done in a way that you wouldn't do it today. But back then, you know, so new people did them. We have a structured way to do it. There it was a little bit, you could tell a little bit more, you know, there it was, they were able to get the point across. Only four years ago. Isn't that hilarious to yeah. think about? Yeah. Yeah. And so he gives us, this is October of 2017. So this would be. About four. Three. Well. Because I'll be it's back, almost twenty twenty one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So October of this year will be my third year. Yeah, um, because you vest that three years, I believe. But I, but but yep. the point is, is that um, long story short is um, uh, that that happened, and so Jay ends up moving everything over from our brokerage model to this. And to put it in perspective, everybody up to that point had reported to Jay, and we were touring. And going to sign this lease on this 20,000 square foot building. We were going to hire more people. We didn't sign the lease. We ended up going kind of like he left me. When I took over the business unit with most of the employees, I moved us into flex space, mm -hmm. which is what you do at EXP. But I had no idea. I was just trying to play red light, green light with the expenses. Sure. And be able to operate and shut things down if I didn't want to do. I was totally, my our goal was I'm not doing anything that I don't want to do anymore, period. And I'm going to spend time with my kids. That was the motive. It was like I went to karate. I'm on the phone. I go here. I'm I'm halfway present. So the whole the whole thing was, dude. I've made a, I wrote a book and made a, almost a million bucks. Why am I doing all this complexity stuff when I can just go out and build a different type of business? I'm going to be more open and flexible. And Elon Musk, I've been really following him. And on part of my research, he had he had a, a way of thinking like a you know through physics you know, boiling things down to their proof and problem solving skills. And he just had put this on my mind to assume you're wrong, assume you're wrong. And that's because when you assume you're wrong, you go to learner mode. 
when you try to be right, that's your ego, you know, looking for some type of confirmation. Maybe your mom wasn't nice to you when you were little and, you know. You- so when you, when you were boiling down the essence of what you liked in real estate and the businesses you were creating, you're saying that that all of a sudden allowed your ego to step aside and realize what you were really passionate about doing in your businesses to begin with. You yeah. could do that in EXP with, frankly, a lot less I hassle. didn't know EXP. I was putting this stuff into the world. This is where it gets off topic. But, I mean, I was looking at Dan Sullivan, his book called The One Question, if I had to look over three years from now, um, over one, this one decision, what things would have to be true for you to say this was a good decision. And I, I would have to be able to live in Puerto Rico on the beach and go win and whenever I want to and sit at the nicest resorts and drive whatever car I wanted and do whatever the hell I want when I want with who I want. And I'd have to be able to do all that and have more money than I could ever spend, plus a lot of surplus coming in passively. That's what it would need to look like. And that's what we wrote down. That's not a joke. I mean, we didn't write down the Puerto Rico thing, but that's essentially, we thought we, and we wrote, I got the picture. We wrote it on my wall on December 2nd. So listeners, this is a good time for us to point out that quite literally we're sitting at the Ritz-Carlton in uh, their hotel room, looking out at the uh, ocean and looking out at the beach, looking out at green parrots flying through the palm trees. <laughs> so if you, <laughs> there you go. So I think you did it yeah yeah it, or, it, or you're doing it yeah yeah it, dude it, it happened it happened i mean the truth is is that um th- amazing i'll tell you you know if i was telling my kids you know did you know you're you ha- they, you have a third eye you know that right mm-hmm. what it, you know what i'm talking about yeah in your brain right? right do you know that it has a retina i don't know anything yeah. about this yeah it has a retina it has cones just like in your eye so like when you dream that that's where the dmt is created right mm. so there's um we can get into some cool stuff with your third eye but there's a lot of factual information that's, you know, when you dream and um, the things like your eyes are just interpreting the world into your brain. Right. And, and that all your brain's making a decision, but your brain don't see your eyes see and your third eye sees too. Right. You have to be able to see it. You know, you have to be able to see it like you. I'm blind in one eye. Yeah. Are you really? So, yeah. yeah so you're you a couple pirates. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's a great analogy. But the point is, you got to be able to see it. And for us, we could just see it. We saw, you know, we saw it and we knew it because of the mountain. See, in the mountain, I didn't tell you that. I didn't think it was possible. After, after the fourth lap up the mountain, I went into the tent and I was cramping up. And in order for us to finish the mountain, which was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life, we would have to beat our fastest pace every single lap, every single day, just to barely finish. You had to be up the mountain. When I went up with my last lap, they... So they made you go up faster every time? Well, if you didn't, you just mathematically... If you, if you finished the... Let's you say wouldn't it, finish. You wouldn't finish. So they, you, just de- they, yeah. you, you would be done. They'd yeah. pull you, right? And so you would hit your, for us, they would, they would, let's, say the, let's say we had done our last lap up the mountain. It's two and a half miles. Let's say we, we did it in an hour and 22 minutes. They were like, well, you're going to have to do every lap next at an hour and 18 to be on pace. And so we'd be like, shit, man, we got to do this one at 118 in order for them not to pull us. So, and we just went as fast as we could. You see what I'm saying? Yep. We just went as fast as we could. And I'm, I'm cramping. I'm, and, and the first time, I mean, you, we, we learned salt pills. But what, what I learned, dude, is... Um, I, I just learned that, man, you just got so much potential and that, that you, you know, when you really think you're at your potential, you ain't even at your potential. So what is, I mean, we're circling around about this and, and this is not necessarily for a wide audience, but let's just speak to our EXP family for a second. Yeah. So, you know, as well as I do that the revenue share is going to be the ultimate, you know, the real estate brokerage itself is EXP is the best. It's better than the best model as far as what it's offering to agents. So assume enter into the 
the conversation in your brain, knowing that the best of the best brokerages out there, you know, EXP is offering whatever, you know, the same exact stuff, if not better. There are no, you can't go and look at EXP services that they're offering to agents and say, well, XYZ company offers something 10 times better because it doesn't exist. So then you start peeling back the layers and you look at, we talked a lot about the stock. We talked frankly about it. I mean, I don't even know what the term would be community. I don't even know. It's attracting a certain kind of people. I haven't had these kinds of relationships before in my life because I've always been drilled down and focusing on and, and businesses and whatnot. And you're right. This does open the door to interacting with more entrepreneurs. And by the way, when you move down here, yeah. you're going to be overwhelmed with the cool people you're going to meet constantly. Yeah, it's I crazy. That. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, but where I was going with that is that people, listen, dude, the biggest constraint people have in their business is in between their ears. It's their own thinking. It's never the problem. It's how you're thinking about the problem. But revenue and share, the, though. But the problem is when I climbed that mountain, I didn't think I could finish. Right. And so what I was conditioned to is when my, when, when what I was conditioned to was, listen, when you're, when you're doing one step, when you're doing a step, when you run till your toenails fall off, when you run until your toenails fall off, here's what happens. Shit starts to hurt and you want to quit. And when I was in real estate, bro, there was a time that I wanted to quit. A deal fell apart. Things got hard. You just, it's, it's hard to dream when you're trying to survive. And most of the audience that you have to any podcast, if you're servicing the real estate professional, has had a hard time or they're going to have a challenge. And EXP is just financially irresponsible. The problem they have, well, the pro- I'm, I'm well, going to finish that point. The problem they have is their limited beliefs on what's true and not true. You mean the people in EXP? The people that are not in EXP have right. a belief system that has been that is aligned to the noise that they're listening to, like I was listening to in my head. So that's the same reason that you know I said that to you and Jay, you guys, and I said that to Brent. I, you know, you guys would be financially irresponsible not to basically move here. That, yeah, you would be literally financially irresponsible. But Julie and I heard that from somebody else. Yeah, they said that to us yeah. when we were down here visiting originally. Yeah, I mean, so the the truth is, is if you're an agent and you're a broker and you're willing to set aside your, you know, your emotional attachments to your brokerage model and you're able just to take a peek in the AXP's direction, you are absolutely going to come. To, well, Jay said it best: once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. That's, mean, that's that's what I say about Dorado. Totally. No, Jay actually had another good one-liner for that. He said, there's only two reasons you wouldn't live here. One is because you've never been here to see it, and two, because you can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's good at those one-liners. Yeah. It's that Oklahoma. You're, you're from Oklahoma, yeah, too, yeah, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, let, if you don't mind, if yeah. we could just drill down a little bit. Yeah. I, and, the, and this is the big mystery, too, at DXP. And you have a, a large revenue share group, and Jay does, too, and mm-hmm. we're getting there. But there's people at EXP now who are just normal Joseph and Josephines. You're not a normal person. I think it could be argued that I'm not a normal person. You're not. But they're not. But there are normal. There are normal people who are not. You know, don't have your background. Don't have my background. That have almost by accident to uh, Glenn's original vision have found themselves making thousands, five thousands, ten thousands, hundred uh, passive per month despite themselves because the model's so good. Yeah, yeah. And I, that, I think that's, done, the, that's the miracle of the whole thing. Yeah, Dan Hillsman, Atlanta, Georgia, when we brought him in, he literally told us, he found us on YouTube. He said he would never recruit a person. He's, I he, hear that all the time. He, he that's does, the first thing they he, say. He does 20 deals a year max. That's his, you know, he coaches his son baseball. And um, well, he picked me up from the airport one time, me and Woods. We were doing a deal. We went out there to do an event with, um, um, anyway. We were doing an event with Trell Davis, the running back. He played for Georgia. So we were doing a recruiting event. And um, he picks us up at the airport, and I look over. He's got a Bible on his, on his dashboard of his car. You remember this? And he, start, he tears up. 
and uh, in the car. I've never met this guy. He'd been at EXP maybe a year. I don't know. And uh, he, he doesn't cry, but he kind of, you know, his eyes were red and watery. And he Man just, cry. Yeah. And he, and, he, and, he, and he was just basically saying, you know, you don't know how much y'all really changed my life, you know, by, you know. And that's what that, I take that. You know, I'm a J. Abraham student. He says, dude, listen, if you're in the desert, sell people water. Don't feel bad about it. If they want to buy a bigger tent or a softer pillow, tell them they need to worry about water first. And that's what I feel like I'm in the business of selling people water. I'm selling people things that they need. I'm a brand ambassador. Um, I've seen it, and my job is to help them see it. And well, that, that, but that's something Dave actually said, that, you, know, uh, the, you know, the president of the company. And Gene says, had said this, too. Dave said it really perfectly, though. He said... You know, imagine if you're in, you're in the Navy and there's a shipwreck and you're in your dinghy and you're trying to, you're in the ocean and you're trying to save people. And Dave says, you know, save the people who are swimming, uh, swimming towards the ship because they're obviously the ones that are ready to be saved. And I thought that was a really good point. Yeah. Because ultimately not everyone's going to be receptive to the message. Yeah. But the reality of it is if you're in real estate and you need, everyone needs a broker, you should join EXP. Oh, and by the way, you can actually create legitimate, I'll tell you a, a personal story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I've been married for almost, well, 29 years, the 15th of this month. Okay. We met in high school. We've been married forever. And uh, we've been, our exit plan by the time I was, uh, my goal was by the time I was 40, we went and have enough paid off rental properties. I may have told you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth worth repeating that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's an interesting rounding of the bend. Um, We went and have enough paid off rental properties because as a normal, you know, I was, I grew up poor. You grew up poor. There's no, it's not like you have a rich uncle that's going to sprinkle fairy dust on you. And all of a sudden you're going to discover, you know, there's a pot of gold someplace, right? Right. You have to do it all. I mean, you cut grass. And, yeah. And while I was in college, I had a car cleaning and detailing business. You know what I'm saying? We're grinders. Yeah. That at the end of the day, that's the commonality amongst all the most successful people I've ever met, by the way, especially entrepreneurs. They're absolute grinders. You don't very often run into somebody who's a successful entrepreneur who's not a true grinder, who's yeah. not always thinking. Yeah. Well, so our plan was get into real estate, buy enough rental properties, pay them off. Now, in order to accomplish that, we often had to save up the money to pay cash for them or obviously sacrifice a lot in terms of what would have been lifestyle in order to uh, you know, buy those rental properties because that was our North Star. So our, our filter when we were trying to make financial decisions in any of our businesses was, is this going to produce enough profit that's going to move us further, you know, closer to that goal or further away from the goal? That was it. That was our North Star. We kept it simple. <laughs> so it was the rental properties thing. Well, we, I was 41 and Julia and Julia's 40, but we accomplished the goal. We had enough paid off rental properties that we effectively did for probably about two seconds retire. Um, and anyway, here's what I discovered. Realistically, for us to accomplish the goal, because of rising property taxes and vacancies and whatever, we didn't need 30-some paid off rental properties. We needed more like 60-some paid off rental properties. That's not really what I'm, I'm hoping you guys get as the takeaway. What we had to sacrifice in order to get to the point where we had those rental properties, we sacrificed not starting our family sooner. We fa- sacrificed not going on vacations, not doing all the normal things that, frankly, we're doing now. But we sacrificed all those things for decades because we wanted to accomplish that goal. And when we got to the accomplishment of that goal, damn right, we were happy and proud of ourselves. But here's the pisser of it. And when I ran into somebody, like I was on a Zoom last night with, um, it was a brokerage in uh, Oklahoma, actually, uh-huh. interestingly enough, a KW office. And there was a guy on there that was 26 and another guy there was on 31. I, st- just, I was looking at these two guys and I go, I just stopped. It was totally inappropriate, but the Zoom was getting kind of boring. So I said, you know what? I got to be honest with you two guys. I'm kind of pissed at you. And they're like, you know, they're very straight laced, you know. And I said, well, yeah, you guys, 
you're 26 and you're 31. Do you guys have un, any comprehension of what the revenue share will mean to you at your age, given right where AXP is right now in its growth curve? Do you have any even remote concept what that means? And they said they did, but then they admitted that they didn't. That goes to the point that people don't understand the true power of what Glenn created. It's no. not profit share, it's revenue share. But can you, I, now see, I'll tell you also something, <laughs> being honest with you. The reason I didn't get involved sooner is because I was just like you, busy doing my own thing. But it was probably, in retrospect, my ego. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it was. And I told Gene Frederick this, too, because that's what it was. I didn't want to believe. I was like, once I figured it out, I was so jealous I hadn't thought of the idea. Yeah. Because it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, right? Yeah, yeah. You can relate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard people who say, you know, a lot of the a lot of the times I don't even share the the core story because it it does feel like a a way of uh, it's like we were talking about the me monster, you know. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it played out on by a pool. I've had a, you know, I've watched people say, "Man, I had this exact same idea," but the truth is, is Glenn had the idea and he executed it. He did, and he made it happen and created a lot of value in the marketplace. And you know, I, I heard I heard Elon Musk say something very very brilliant. Um, he was. He came back on the Joe Rogan podcast last month. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he says, and he's talking. And he about, wasn't drunk or high. Yep. And he and then he says, how the heck have you created these? You know, all of these companies that are worth billions. He's like, creating a billion dollar company is real easy. It's just order organizing people to create value. And he and I was just like organizing people, building an organization, organizing people. And if you really think at the like the like the word organize. Um, that's what this is, is it's organized people like me and you to do things like podcasts or whatever it is that we do to create value. And in return, there's someone that's going to reach out to you because of this podcast. There's going to be someone that's interested in, like, you know, that's the same analogy of them swimming to the boat. Right. And, um, you know, I, I say, I tell people, I'm only looking for people that are looking for me. Right. And I don't believe you're going to ever change someone's mind. And the, 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 and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I can't really move the needle anyway. I mean, I think I've had three or four hundred, almost 400 agents join my community or my group this month. Um, I remember, dude, when I, I remember when I showed my wife the opportunity and she said, are you, are you sure this is, you know, and I remember, I remember when I was at 80 people and I was checking it every day and I thought, you know what I thought? I thought I was too late, you know, cause I knew people with 500 people. But isn't it funny people think that? I did, yeah, and that's that. That's the. I think that's the um, natural human tendency is to think, you know, not to think how to win, but to think how you're going to you lose. Don't, then you don't have to push past your egos, not wanting to actually take it seriously. Yeah, and then you know, once you actually understand, and really, and we can get into the, the weeds of it, but it really doesn't matter who you sponsor and whatnot, because there's a lot of people that get an EXP that you want to have traction, and they don't choose the right sponsor. I mean, those things are all. It's really important, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, this it really is just getting started. I was just thinking back to when I first started talking to agents about joining our EXP group, and this was in January of 2019, you know. And uh, it's like I got the question, some of these very basic questions, and I even forget receiving them now, but like what's EXP? I'd hear that. I'd hear, isn't it of this and isn't it of that? I don't even hear those questions anymore. Yeah. That's how fast the market has just gone from, it's the, you know, it's like the, you know, the phases of a product when it comes out, you have yeah. early adopters and you have, you've studied yeah, yeah. infinitesimally, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, now we're at the point where it's basically got mass acceptance. So for people out there who think they're too late, it is literally just getting started and it's so much easier. Everybody is at least EXP curious, maybe not ready to join, but when was the last time you ran to someone that was in real estate that wasn't at least EXP curious? 
Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 the, the, to be honest with you, the smarter they are, the more the easier they are to get. I mean, let me the more the, the, I'm not saying smart in a in a the, but what I have found is if somebody knows how to use a calculator, that that's what I mean by in, intelligence. When they're making it not an emotional decision, but an intelligent decision, the intelligent investor. There's a book out there, number one book recommended by Warren Buffett, the intelligent agent. Um, that really sits down, not the emotional agent, but the intelligent agent. I mean, they're the easiest. I, I, I can talk to someone I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to come. Well, because but he, that's the point you made earlier because it, you're, they're not so married emotionally, attached yeah. emotionally. They got into real estate. They got into a business. They took the risk. They sacrificed Working, what they, yeah. to, to make money and to take care of themselves. The reason they're emotional is because that team leader gets a bonus if they stay. The reason they're emotional is because someone owns that franchise that can sell that multiple of that revenue you know, and the truth is, is I've been on the phone with Keller Williams offices. They don't know that most of those, you know, I've, I've been on the phone with entire, you know, people who have, you know, they want to, they don't want that old thing anymore. And they're trying to, and, and they, they call you and they're like, listen, you know, I looked at this a year ago, two years ago. We have a lady that just came over in Tyler, you know, she wanted to come over three. She had to wait three years because she was locked up for three years. She just came over last month. Yeah. Um, she had to wait. Was three... she an OP at KW? Huh? Was she an OP at KW? Mm-mm, no, but she had to wait three years to come over. Yeah. And they don't, people don't know that there's a lot of smart people that can't come because they're unfortunate. I mean, they, and they can't let Jay's dad, you know, um, I think will, he, he, he's in a big, I think he'll come to EXP at some point, but a lot of people are in long-term agreements. So don't think because they didn't come because they didn't think it was a brilliant model. They didn't come because they might have a financial obligation contractually that doesn't allow them to come. Yep. And so, um, but they circle the wagons and they have the conversations based upon, you know, what, what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Um, but people will reach out to you and say, well, you know, well, what so, if? But that is, let's, we can round the bend because you got to go to the pool. So oh, the, I'm good. The, yeah, you know, yeah. the reality of it is, is that they, when you're, especially if you even have some level of influence in your marketplace, when you yeah. switch over to EXP, people are going to ask you about it. And then the sponsoring conversations just happen organically. That's what people don't understand. Not necessarily like that two years ago, but definitely like that now. I've had normal, you know run-of-the-mill meat and potato 20 25 house 15 house a year agents they move over and then there's like they'll text you you have these experiences constantly i'm sure i've got so and so they want to join my team i don't know what the heck to do you know they hadn't yet gone through the sponsorship training so they don't know exactly what to say and how to say it so you got to kind of jump in there and help them but that's what happens because there's so much momentum right now in the marketplace for exp 100 yeah here's the funny thing too i was just thinking back to your and jay's model originally between you and jay you guys have what seven thousand agents now in your virtual brokerage something like that yeah jay's uh jay's within a a hundred probably within 50 to four thousand, and i'm probably within i'm probably about 3500 yeah that's awesome and three years congratulations man yeah Yeah. and to be honest with you it's um the crazy thing about it man is is that i i now get compensated for helping people that i mean the 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 truth is like my calls now it's there's a tipping point so at the beginning, it was me really trying to recruit and, you know, for my own thing. One day I, bro- I broke through and I realized that that's not how you do this. The, the way that you do this is whether you recruit anyone or not, you have to help other people. That's right. And so like, that's the that, real work. That, that's well, yeah. That's. And so now, you know, like, like last week was probably my biggest week in history of having to do calls for other people. I mean, Jay does them. I do them. I've done, I mean, we did over a thousand Zooms last year. Um, you know, Zoom calls, 
But you know, I when when I look into, I had a count. I had a guy today when we were when we went on that run. We stopped it short. I was like, my phone rang, and I was like, I was talking to a guy that lives in New Jersey, and him and ten of his agents want to come over, and he had heard something and had a question and didn't know exactly how he got my phone number, but wanted to know if I'd answer it because he was going to be coming under someone in my fourth level, but he just wanted to ask me personally, you know. And, I ended up when I got off the phone. When I got off the, phone, he was at the hospital. His son was uh, wow. having surgery, soldier surgery, and when he got, when I got off the phone with him, he said, "Man, thank you for giving me your time." I was sitting right there in that chair, and I looked at my phone, and I had been on the phone with him for forty nine minutes. This guy had already taken a shower, swam in the ocean. He's and gonna I, be bored off of Zurich <laughs> listening to us yeah. talk for the last hour. And I sat there for Sorry, an hour. <laughs> I sat there for an hour talking to somebody about coming over for someone in my downline that I don't even really, really even know but who that, it is. That go, we can talk forever about the importance of who but you choose the, as your but, sponsor. But, but, that's what matters. Yeah, yeah. That's what you do here. Right? And I'm, that's, what, that's my job now. My job is honestly helping other people build their passive income. So that's just so hilarious. Think of all the nightmares and the plates you had to have spending before and all the intricate legal stuff and the errors and emissions insurance and the complaints and the adult daycare BS that you have to put up with. And now you just focus on what you like doing the most, which is helping people basically create and live the life of their dreams. And, can and that's I, can, not can, BS. Can I, and can I, yeah, and can I make one caveat to this? And this is very important for people to understand is 99% of our time and what he's – I know what he's working on over there. Right, I know exactly what he's doing, and ninety nine percent of our time is helping those agents sell a home. And don't ever forget that. I, right. I was I started as a real estate trainer and coach. I've helped some of the top agents around North America. I'm not toot my horn, but that's what I did for a living. I just monetize that differently now. I get compensated not by helping you know um, an agent in Silicon Valley go from three deals to three hundred million and have him you know cancel his coaching after he gets to hundred million. No, now I help people come over here and build businesses that, you know, are, are businesses that work harder for them than they do for it. And I'm incentivized to always be there whether whether they pay I'm, me or not. I'm really glad you said that because that's another jab that people throw it out is, of It is. is that the agents aren't, aren't productive agents. And that's yeah. absolutely not true. We have some of the top – in many, many cities and many, many, you know, parts of the country, we have some of the top three to five agents in terms of production and sales. So that's yeah. just another it's just mi- not true. piece of uh, fake news out there that yeah, yeah. has been perpetuated. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm telling you, my days, when you come on board, I have a launch call and a game plan call. He does your launch call. When you get off the phone with him, he builds you. You know, we build a funnel. We organize your tech stack. We do everything I would do if I was coaching you, but I just don't charge. And the reason I don't charge is because, in theory, um, if I help you grow, which I know if I'm able to do that, growing your business, for most people, translates into you becoming selling more homes when you sell more homes. If there's a financial incentive for you to help other people sell more homes because you've now learned something that allowed, like Jim Rohn said, if you don't have everything you want, you haven't learned something. Well, if you've learned something that helped you produce more, why wouldn't you share that with other agents? Well, you're not incentivized to do so. Right now, you're you're incentivized to not help other people. Those are your deals because you're only thinking about your backyard. When the expansion model came out, which was really created in order to help keep teams from wanting to go independent and stay at big franchises, right? You're, you're, you're a big agent when a Keller Williams in Frisco and it's like, I'm going to go independent. No, you're not. You're going to open a team in Austin and we're going to help you take all your systems and models and create a hub hub and generate leads down there and get a percentage while paying a cap for all the people down here and all the people down there and all those other things in between, which was, it, it didn't work in the franchise model. No, it didn't. It didn't work. It, sorry, someone's calling our room. It didn't work. And so the point, I think the point that I'm trying to make is that 
You know, when you when you can you, do that in EXP though. Well, expansion. Here's the truth: expansion ripped the lid off of the team model. What happens is people were independent buyer agents. They became listing agents, so they got more leverage time. Then they grow teams, so they got more leverage. Then they then they became the number one team in their office, and they went independent because the money that they were being charged per agent there was not a fair value exchange, and and that and so in order to stop that problem. It was that this is what I set in a class in 2015 or 16 where it was said, um, it was said, well, our brick and mortar is our um, is is our asset, right? It's our network. And now, but the truth is, you could have a, you know, let's just name a top agent. You could have a Mark Spain, a Ben Kinney, uh, a Jay Kinder, all in Austin trying to have one expansion partner in one KW office. And that team leader is going to have a new agent that wants to grow an office. Ben Kenny's offering to run their leads. Jay's offering to run their leads. Mark's, and they're doing that there in all the other markets. And now you have Tim Heil and all these agents who, instead of leaving Keller Williams, which, which was happening, most big teams got so big they left, including Mark Spain, including Michael Reese, including Chad Goldwasser, to do what? Go independent and start their own thing because you're – you love that person that's nice to you, but you don't love them at the end of the year when you calculate that for all your agents, you paid them over $200,000. Then EXP comes in and says, well, that's called an icon, and we give you everything that you paid back in the form of stock. It's like, oh, shit, okay, I'm listening, right? It's like they solved everything, real problems, and um, they were able to do it because there is no each office is independently owned and operated. There's no franchise. There's no, franchise. There's no region holders. Yeah, there's no there's, there's no, no papers. Right? Yeah, there's no there's nothing. If they want to make a decision, they can make a decision across the whole platform. Right. You know, if 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 like TikTok can't operate here, if Trump says he can't operate here, right? Like that's not good for TikTok. That's going to impede their business, even to the point that they might have to sell because someone's saying where they can and can't do with their business. And in in general, when you're in that franchise model, whether it's coming top down or bottom up, there's a lot of people that have to agree across a lot of different areas and regions. And, you know, in order to make a decision here, you know, if we want to roll out, uh, you know, health insurance for agents, which EXP did, (laughs) then, you know, they can have the idea. I'll tell, I'll, let me end on this. I, when I met with, I went to Glenn's, uh, I had the uh, amazing opportunity to spend time with Glenn and in Washington at his home with him and his, um, um, at, at, I, was with, I was with him and, and his significant other. They're amazing people. And on the, the day before I left, you know, uh, he was going to take me back to Vancouver to the airport. And he just shared with me some of his ideas. I'll never forget, like, you know, some of the things. Now, he might not remember exactly what he said, but I do because, you know, that I, remember, I, I remember what he told me. And I remember telling Jay, you know, because Jay, Jay flew into Seattle, I flew in Vancouver, so Jay had a rental car, and he drove back, and he had left early in the morning, so I had the rest of that afternoon, and then he, he an hour drive to Vancouver. And um, one of the things that I uh, Jay asked me, like, hey, you know, what did y'all do? You know, he had left before we even woke up, blah, blah, blah. I kind of told him about the conversation. And then there was a, sequen- a, a another meeting that everybody flew in there. He did a little event there, and a lot of the influencers uh, flew into Washington and went there. And I, he opened up, and I remember telling Jay, I said, that dude, remember all those things I told you about on the drive home when we were talking on that last day? He did everything. He wrote, he, 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 we had talked about a consumer-facing you know, brand and you know, like a search portal. 
you know, but we were talking theory, dude. And I was like, that wasn't even like 90 days ago for, and you know, he's sharing. We are, I was going to ask you about that, but that is funny. And, and he bought an, you know, EXP owns a national sort, a national IDEX search portal. And, you know, one can assume that there's going to be a national, you know, EXP Zillow Realtor.com competitor. I would assume you might have more color on that than well, I do. Well, he, he, there's an Inman article. He said it. He, he said, said it. Okay. He said it. Yeah. He said, if you go look up, uh, Glenn uh, Zillow on Inman last month, an article came out when we bought it on how he said he's gonna, um, he's going after Zillow. And, but we were having a conversation. We had built a consumer facing site, which was downpayment.org at the time, downpayment.com, but we didn't have the search, you know, across the, he, he, he has the search now, which is a very interesting thing. Um, there's a lot of things that I would love to do to play with that piece Heck of yeah, technology but it, it also puts you in that technology valuation yep conversation That's exactly and a good, a good place to roll around the bend but that is ultimately where yeah. that you know so right place at the right time yeah you know if this company gets valued as a tech company opposed to a real estate company then you're seeing something happen that's i don't know if this is without a doubt in my mind now i'm 50 and you're younger than me but i still think it's true for you this is the last best not the last but the last best business opportunity being involved with exp yeah, uh, uh, Steve Jobs says in your lifetime you have three. He says you have you have you have you have enough life to do three great things, right? He did Pixar, he did Apple, right? He said that's kind of in his autobiography, and I've always thought that you know like, um, you know, coaching for me was a decade. You know, I, I spent ten years in the coaching model. I remember I bought a little course. the lost the lost decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> the internet. You know, it was just yeah. it was the internet. It was being able to. You know, um, I had 10 years really selling real estate, you know, being from in real estate to that. That was a great, like, thing for me. Um, but but I'm really, really – I like helping people. And so this is your third if you're following the, the job yeah, philosophy. I, I, yeah, I think, I think from a third – because to be honest with you, I mean, again, when, when I wrote the book Digital President, I wanted to help people get free. That first chapter of that book, there's a term called the freedom number, and that hadn't – I didn't even know what that EXP – was when we wrote that and you know came up with our terminology which was the terminology was that the goal in life should be able to create passive income to exceed your bills period so that's the freedom number that's your freedom number so what, was, you your, should what know, was your freedom number he can tell you exactly what his is what's your freedom number 469 469 people in his exp organization based on the unit economics of what an agent's worth based upon what the average exp agent transaction Produces in revenue stream. Are we it's, even allowed to talk about this? I'm pretty sure we're not. So no, we, I'm just, we better not talk about that. I'm just, we're not. We're not. We're not. Talk, we're not talking about right. it. We're just saying we did yeah. a mathematical right. equation of what you have to make in order to be free. It's just be, because EXP is publicly traded, listeners. We're not supposed to be making income claims or talking about revenue revenue share. But with that said, EXP is going to start producing um, an actual evidence based uh, showing what other age, EXP agents have been able to produce in revenue share. But what he just said, in essence, is he. Knows Knows and his overall group, he has to have roughly 500 people. And it's safe to say that roughly 500 people in this model will produce somewhere along the lines of, I think, are we allowed to say this? I, I don't think it's relevant. I think it's enough to pay all your bills and have fun, right? I don't know if you're allowed or not allowed. It'll, it'll put you in literally the highest income tax bracket. That's what it'll yeah. put you, federal-wise. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what it'll do. Yeah, so yeah. you guys can do your own homework on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you can do your own homework. But the point is, is that when we wrote the book, we the, my point is, is I'm not talking, I'm wrote it in the book. I, I mean, 
Glenn's read that book. He knows what it says. It's a freedom number. This was just a vehicle. Once you have it, it was like going, we wrote down real estate. So, so the freedom number, in essence, is where you have enough money coming in that all your you know personal financial tax and whatever obligations are covered. And then the money that's produced in revenue share after that, you can then do with as you please, but hopefully reinvesting it and doing things to produce passive, further passive income from multiple sources, I would assume. Right, yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. could be through that. That could be through having online product. I mean, I know people who do it in the e-commerce. There's a lot of ways to do Stocks, it. Stocks. Yeah, there's tons right, of ways yeah, to do it. But right. I, I, but I did not. But because I had wrote, because we were looking for it, which I believe everybody should. I mean, what is your goal? Is your goal to work forever? I mean, why? Because, because why? Like, so you're telling me right now you have no goal on having a day where you don't have to work? I mean, why is that? It's because you live in what is called a reported world. Because you unfortunately don't know what you don't know. You're unconsciously incompetent. You're like my son who puts his shoes on the wrong feet. You're just doing the wrong thing wrong and don't even know it. And it's not your fault. But you're going to either, like, this is what Dan Kennedy said to me at his house. He said, I read an article about a guy who worked at the a steel company for 30 years. And when they interviewed him and asked him why he worked there, he said, because he responded to an ad in a newspaper, your entire life on what you did for your whole life came up because of one ad in a newspaper. You didn't have a better strategy than that, right? You should have a strategy. He's got a shirt in there that we, that we, uh, that we live by. It's called life by strategy. It's not life by design. A strategy goes back to Michael, the, the Colonel, which is the goal. The Colonel of the strategy for us was, let me give you context. I'm telling you right now, we were mining, we were buying miners from China and mining Bitcoin. We were mining Bitcoin. Okay. Does, is, do, do people, there are a lot of people make a lot of money um, um, with cri- cryptocurrency. Yes or no? Well, we definitely okay. have. Okay. We, we, we were buying miners staying up till two or three in the morning to buy machines out of China to mine them. You know why? Because they created passive income, right? Did, did we still have the machines? We just we we kept looking for a way to find it. If you, I mean, if you don't even try, I mean, like you you don't even try. No, but, but that ultimately is the miracle, and I I don't like using that word, but it is. That's the ultimate miracle uh, that Glenn created because you can sell real estate. You'll probably make a lot more money from the real estate you sell because your cap is less. Then you're going to be awarded stock. Then you're going to, I think it's called a SOP or something, employee, I forget what that is. It's an equity awards program. Right. And then you're also going to have revenue share. And there's other ways you can make money too. So you could actually be creating an alternative financial path, just doing what you already know and love how to do, just through following the model that Glenn's created. There is no parallels. There's nothing else out there. It's seven income streams. Right. There's seven income streams. So you said, I I think I surmised what you just said. So everyone basically needs something to do that gives them a life purpose. Everyone needs someone to love in essence, right? A family or they need to feel that they're doing this for someone other than yep. themselves. And everyone needs something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, it really does come down to those three things. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, and so if you're not, if this if this resonates with you guys, do yourselves a favor. If it's not for you, do it for your va- family. If it's not for your family, do it for your grandchildren. And look, if you get into EXP and you're really confused about to do with the, re- with the revenue share, I'll be more than happy to take it for you. I will take that burden off your shoulder, and so will Mike. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but guys, seriously, don't let this get by you. Know that you are in the right place at the right time. If you've ever wondered what it feels like, this is what it freaking feels like. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, listen, this is this is going to go down as our longest podcast. Hey, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. The only bad part is I have to upload this. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's going to take Well, I'll give you a little hack for that here in a minute. I'm going to take it. All right. All right, man. God bless you and thank you. I and appreciate hey, you. So when are you guys moving down here? 
Um, the goal is to be down here. Jay's already got his place. My goal is in December. So cool. Yeah, a lot of other people are moving down. We here used to too. say we'll see you at the top, or we'll see you from the top, and then we changed it. We'll see you at the top or from the lake. But now we're going to say we'll see you at the top or at the beach. So uh, there's going to be a meeting that's going to happen. Over he told me in February. In, I'm going to no, go no, in January. January. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. mastermind. I was in the room when you were on the phone with him. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you. Thanks, listeners. Listen to us anytime. Uh, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. And for the 54 countries that have also started listening to us, um, I don't know what the heck you're getting from the podcast, but I certainly appreciate uh, the attention. <laughs> you guys have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the show anytime. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.